Okay, thanks everyone for joining in. We'll, we'll get started here. Um, uh, the, I'm Seth Partnow. This is Colin Shots podcast. Uh, you know me from the Athletic and Stats Bomb and the Mid Range Theory. Please buy in, in uh, online bookstores everywhere and soon to be in audiobook format. We finalized a deal this week to do that, so that's fun. Uh, today I'm joined uh, uh, something a little different. I'm joined by uh, uh, Samir Despande, who is a, a Professor at at the University of Wisconsin, right down the uh, road from me, and has someone who's who uh, sits nicely at the intersection between kind of formal statistics and sports research, having done a lot of that on multiple sports. Uh, Samir, first of all, uh, thanks for coming on. Second of all, um, tell the folks a little bit more about kind of your your background and specialties. Great, thanks for having me, Seth. It's it's really fun to be here. Um... So yeah, I'm I'm a first year professor at the University of Wisconsin Madison, and um, I I got interested in in, in I, I I've been a sports fan basically all my life. Um, as many people who, who who meet me or or see me at conferences and whatnot know that I I, I grew up in Dallas, and I'm I'm really proud of where I came from. I'm proud of our sports teams, and I'm a long suffering uh, fan of all Dallas based sports. Um, I'm just now, and and so and that really informed my my fandom growing up, and as I kind of found my way into statistics, um, right around the time I was a first year PhD student, I started I started realizing that you know, sports has a lot of cool data, and I like analyzing data, and I really like statistics, and and so for most of my graduate education. I was really involved with sports modeling projects, stuff that my professors gave me, stuff that I found sort of on the internet. And it's a great community that, that came up um, over the last 10 years or so, maybe even longer. And um, and so, yeah, my, my research really kind of, some of, most of my research these days is really on sort of the hardcore statistical methods, but I really like thinking about sports and I think a lot of the data that we're seeing in sports now is really kind of exciting from a kind of sports perspective, but also from a statistical perspective. There, there are just a lot of questions that we can start to uh, that we can start to ask, and we really need methods to 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 answer them. Um, in some ways, is is sports almost the easiest field to do statistics in? I. I I hesitate to say that it's the easiest, but it's certainly, I think, one of the most uh, enjoyable because, you know, it it can be hard as an academic sometimes talking to people who aren't sort of doing what you're doing all day. Um, It can be hard to talk about what you do. Uh, But with sports, it it becomes very easy and you can can start to have a conversation about, you know, what it is that I do 90% of my time uh, through the lens of sports. And... You know, I think relative to other fields, there's just a lot of data that's available and a lot of, you know, that, that's a testament, I think, to a lot of fans and enthusiasts and, and sort of analysts at home. Certainly there's a rich tradition of this in baseball and, it, and it's growing up in, in other sports. So I think the, the barriers for entry um, into kind of doing statistics is, is low in sports relative to, say, some more physical science applications. Uh, so yeah, I think it's I, I think sports is a really good entry point. Um, I don't know if it's the easiest or not. Sure, I, we'll, we'll come back to that. But I think that that, that when we this is uh, in the field of sports analytics, mm-hmm. for whatever that word means, there's a lot of kind of confusion. 
that there's a, a disconnect between what kind of the the proponents and opponents are, are talking about. So I'm kind of you you are are perhaps the best person I'm ever going to have on to oh, talk man. about this. In in like these are questions that I can probably muddle through and give a reasonably colloquial colloquial answer, but an actual precise answer. Mm-hmm. First one is is kind of basic. What's the difference between stats? as we understand them and statistics kind of the field. Yeah. So, um, you know, at some point, I think the stats as we know them, you know, you'll, you'll watch a broadcast and you'll hear that, you know, so-and-so is the first player under 40 to throw four touchdowns on a, on a Wednesday. Um, that probably would have only, I actually don't think that ever happened, but, um, things of this nature, these, these are, these are sort of facts, and, and, and what they are really represents data. But they're sort of data presented without a whole lot of context. Um, it, it's sort of a, a good way of describing what happened. And statistics tries to do a little bit more with that data, or data like that. We, the, the field is really built up around, you know, there's something that we want to learn about the world, or about a player, or about a team, or, or, or some other thing out in the universe. And and what we have to learn about it, if it's not directly observable, is, is some data, be it sort of a box score or a play-by-play or tracking data. And the question is, how do we connect that data to the thing that we actually care about learning? Um, and that's really where the field of statistics comes from. But the stats as we might traditionally view them, you know, they, they, they tell the story of what happened, but they're, they're sort of missing that extra piece of, of, of trying to learn something that is about something that isn't observable from, from what is observed. It's um, the way I've tried to explain it is sort of the, the difference between a library and a librarian. Yeah, I I, I can see that. Yeah. It's like, here's a book that has facts in it, but you're saying, what's the book that's going to help me learn the most about X, Y, or Z. And the librarian can, can direct you. And it, and it feels like that's the field of statistics, whereas the stats are just kind of the, 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 the icon, the, the, the sort of flat representation of something. Yeah, I think – and, and I, I, I say this not to disparage stats at all. Um, they're, they're useful. They, they, do, they, they do tell stories and everything. But if we want to get a little bit more, we, we, we kind of need the sort of modeling framework that statistics provides. Uh, it's almost like we pre-showed because that that uh, leads me directly into my next question, <laughs> which is this is a this is a terminological thing that I think throws people a lot. Mm-hmm. Is what what's a model? What is it, what do you mean when you're saying my model says? Um, in in it's I think if you actually explain what's going on in most quote unquote models, uh, be pretty surprised at how actually simple it is because it 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 connotes a certain complexity that might not always be there. But at a basis sense, like what, what is a statistical model? So I think the, the best way that I can, I can describe this is we might say that you know, there's, there, I, I want to distinguish maybe between the, the data that we observe, the, the thing that we actually see with our eyes, that we record, that we measure, and the the sort of central conceit in in statistics is that what we observe is is somehow an imperfect measurement or or a noisy measurement or somehow 
a slightly corrupted version of what we actually care about. And, and so we typically conceptualize this as a parameter. And it's a thing that we can't measure directly, the thing that we really want to know about. And a model is simply a device to connect the thing that we care about but can't observe to the actual data. So as an example, I might really want to know a basketball player's uh, ability or probability to, to make a particular type of shot. And now I might not know what that number is. I might not know that, you know, like Dirk Nowitzki, for instance, is a 38% shooter from a certain part of the court. But what I can do is I can observe a lot of his shots. And so the outcomes of the shots that I observe, that, that's the data. But I have to somehow connect it to the thing that I know exists, his, his true ability, and I have to connect it some way. And that connection is the statistical model. And I think that's a that is a a really fundamental thing that that I think often gets gets uh, lost in in how statistics stats really more more are are used when we're talking about stat, uh, stats is like someone he is a thirty seven percent three point shooter. It's a very it's a, that's a different claim than he has made thirty seven percent of his threes so far this year. And Correct. and really, what the model is doing is saying, okay, we we know that he's shot thirty seven, that he's made thirty seven percent of this of this sample. Mm-hmm. What do we think that tells us about kind of if he if he had taken a million? Exactly. What, what, yeah. Exactly. Um, and then there, are, I mean, th- th- this is this is you know, you get into the weeds of it a little bit. Then then mm-hmm. there are you know, that gets into the sort of the frequentist and uh, Kostya Medvedovsky on, uh, uh, you know, uh, about a month ago. We talked about this a little bit, but but he he was t- talking about it more from a practitioner than a like an academic standpoint. So sure. what like what does that distinction mean? And am I wrong in, in saying that we're all a little bit Bayesian about sports? You're not wrong. Um but what I want to do is I kind of want to reorient this away sure. from that, that sort of dichotomization that you're either sort of a Bayesian or you're a, a frequentist. And, and these are just different ways of, of, of understanding statistical models and, and actually carrying them out and operationalizing them. And, and what I really think we need, especially in sports, is, is a more syncretic approach that these are just different ways of, of asking questions um, of, of our data. And, and everything sort of flows from this this assumption that we've made that the thing that we care about, so the sort of the, 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 the true parameter, if you will, and, and the data that we see and, and sort of how we interrogate that model and how we estimate it, like there are different ways to do it. The broad sort of thing that I would say is that the Bayesian paradigm, and, and, I'm, and I'll say this uh, as a matter of full disclosure, that's what my training is in. Um, that's sort of my natural predilection towards statistics is through the Bayesian lens. And, and I think it has a lot of advantages, but it's not the only thing. It's not the end-all, be-all. It's not even a superior mode of inference. Um, it, I mean, is it is it as simple as saying, um, like, frequentist, like a frequentist approach is if, if you know nothing about what you're studying and Bayesian is if you know something to begin with? That, it's I, uh, I, I, that that's certainly one story that people can tell and there there is a there's sort of a, a nice mental model of what Bayesian statistics is and the, the common the common story is that you might have some prior ideas about about some parameter. Maybe you 
you you really know that certain players their ability is probably in this range and and then you observe some data and then you kind of update your knowledge to to get some sort of what, what's known as a posterior so bayesian updating has this nice epistemological flavor that you you had some ideas before and then you see some data and now you update your beliefs um and and in situations where you really do have existing beliefs that you can quantify and you can quantify them probabilistically, the Bayesian paradigm is really natural. Um, and and what you can do is you might be able to say that you know as, as an example, um, early in the season, let's let's think about basketball for a second. You might you might have a player and you might say that you know they've taken I don't know thirty shots in this season. I want to estimate their, their sort of true shooting percentage or, or, or the actual percentage of times that they will make a shot. And you could just base everything on the 30 shots that you've observed in one season. Or you can kind of say that, well, I've seen everything that they've done previously in their career. And so maybe I should kind of pull my estimate based on that 30 shots towards their sort of historical averages. And, and the Bayesian mechanism kind of allows you to do that in a, in a formal and mathematical way. Sure. And I think that that, that again, when I say that we're all a little Bayesian about mm-hmm. sports, I think we do a lot. We do that more informally. I mean, I mean, yep. most people aren't doing the, the calculations because at, at a certain point, like the, those, those estimates become very tough. But I think that even if, if we're not, we're approaching sports from a non stats or statistical mm-hmm. focus, like we think we, we, you know, we have enough kind of, 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 you know, it, it's, it's the, uh, um, the, the Kahneman's thoughts about, you know, exactly. having, having intuitive uh, judgment. Like if you've been a sports fan, you've, you, that sort of implies you've mm-hmm. watched a lot of sports. You have a lot of reps yep. evaluating yep. these things. And so you have some idea he is good and more, more pertinently, he is good because, mm-hmm. and, and then you observe more games. It's like, Oh, well, okay. I thought he was good at that. And maybe he's not because yeah. he hasn't, he hasn't made a shot in a week. Kind of so what, what I will say is that one of the real strengths of the Bayesian paradigm that, that comes out, not from this kind of, I have prior knowledge and I'm, I'm somehow updating it, is that mechanistically, a Bayesian analysis allows you to regularize in, in, in really important ways. And it can add stability to estimates that are based on like limited data. And in sports, we often are working in, in situations where there's very limited data. You know, there's, in football, for instance, there's only, what, I guess, 17 games now, um, and you can't in a single season get any more than that. And so you might end up with, you know, you're, you're trying to estimate something about players who don't really have a lot of reps. And when you don't have a lot of data, things can get noisy, things can get unstable. Somebody might get hot for, for a few games, but that doesn't mean they're, you know, the best player ever. Um, so we have to kind of recalibrate a little bit. And the Bayesian paradigm kind of lets us do that. Sure. So that, I think that you're... You're, you're getting at sort of the next topic I, I want to is, is the uh, another sort of dichotomy is the difference between uh, broadly speaking, descriptive and predictive. Mm-hmm. And even, even those terms are, are fuzzy and I, and I, I'm sure I frequently mis misuse them, them myself. So from a formal standpoint, like, you know, if you can, you give us a Ford, uh, a, excuse me, a sports example of, is it, is it, you know, kind of colloquially like he has done this versus he is this is that and therefore will continue to do x y or z in the future i think is, is sort of the way i, I think, think about it 
I, I think you're basically there. My, my, my sort of dichotomization is that the descriptive tel statistics tells us what's happened before, and the predictive is our guess about what's going to happen next. Um, I, I, the only point at which I disagree slightly with you is, is that this is what somebody is. Um, sure. Yeah, that's the, that, that is, uh, that, that, that's a, that's sort of a shorthand because, you know, we're, we're often like a lot of times we're using these stats to say he is the best player. Right. And, and, you know, that's what, what is that? Like, what does that mean? It's like, oftentimes the most common is we have a game to win tonight. Who is most likely to, who, who's going to be best? Exactly. Exactly. And, and so that's, that is, you know, him, like a, a player likely to perform at a given level in a game two hours from now is probably about as close to is as we can get if we want to yeah. get like super, you know, yep. so, but so this is this is sort of a, the confusing thing, though. It seems like, and again, this is this is where, mm -hmm. um, kind of getting my way is. It seems like a lot of the stuff we think of as predictive is sort of based on, you know, at the end of every, uh, you know, you see a commercial for like an investment service. Uh, mm -hmm. Past results do not guarantee future performance, but we're sort of right. operating under an assumption that they kind of do. <laughs> when we're when when we're we're kind of converting descriptive to predictive. So, mm -hmm. um, as someone who is who who has a who is obviously steeped in in this from a from a, a, a you know formal doctrine standpoint, um, how how do you how would you suggest navigating that? Even you know even just as a mental model, not even you know putting pen to paper or or whatever. So I'll I'll say something that. Uh, when I when I tell people this, sometimes they 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 might they might not they might take some umbrage with it. But I'll I'll say that we're all really bad at assessing uncertainty. <laughs> um, you know, we're pretty good at understanding uncertainties or probabilities that are you know close to zero or one. Um, you know, the 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 the, the slam dunks, the, the like this is definitely going to happen. It'd be like a one in a million chance that it doesn't. What we're like less good at is really grokking what is like a 57% chance of success mean it's just a little bit better than a coin flip but not by much and and so what we have to do is kind of when we you know when we see things happening um you know in the NFL for instance you'll you'll hear the analysts sort of say yeah they shouldn't have gone for two there you know it's a it's a 48% chance of of success but like that's almost as good as a coin flip um, so we're just very bad at coming to grips with the fact that, you know, something is uncertain and maybe it doesn't happen the way we were sort of hoping it would go. Um, and, I, and I think that's where a lot of the tension comes in, that, that, that that's your point again. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know what it's doing there, you know, a couple of miles down the road, but it's snowing here and, you know, there's a, there was a 70% chance of flurry or something like that. But yeah, what it, actually, uh, it actually just stopped. Okay. So, and that's, and that's like the, the, the very sort of cliche and anodyne one. Oh, they can't even predict the weather. It's like, well, no, it's, you know, if it's 70% of the time, that means like three in 10 times it doesn't happen, which is a whole lot. Yeah. Um, and it, it seems like, seems like we are very bad at understanding in, in sort of a. We kind of you know, lose that long run perspective. Yeah. Uh, because. It's like. Yeah. You know, I mean, you. A lot of your work has been in football, and and this would be crazy. Whenever a team does like on fourth down, it's like I know what the numbers say. Uh, you know, parenthetical, the numbers don't say, but that's a that's a whole other discussion. Um, 
I know what the numbers say, but obviously this time it wasn't the right call. And that's just like that, that like, like how do you keep from, you know, throwing something at the TV when, when you hear that, you know, it's, uh, I, the, the, the thing that I remember, I, I, I heard it in a, in a talk and I, and I, for the life of me can never remember the attribution, but this is, uh, you know, back, uh, back a couple of years ago in the Super Bowl, right. There's, there's the famous Seattle New England game, and and everybody says that you know this is the worst call that Pete Carroll made. He should have run it like they would have won the Super Bowl. But then you think about it, it's like if the play had ended up differently, like everybody said, this is the most brilliant thing. So we're we're so conditioned to take like an extreme view based on the outcome of essentially a coin toss. Um, you know, like if if things work out differently, we 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 would feel very differently, and we'd present it very differently. And and I think this comes down to it, we're it's, just not good at grokking that uncertainty. And and we're ba- we're we're bad at con- like I think that we're bad at considering counterfactuals. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. and that's that I mean that's and that's the whole other kind of field of kind of sports analytics, which. You know, I don't think that we're we're very far in. Um, I, I know we right. we talked about this a little when we when we uh, we chatted and when I was uh, doing yeah. research for my book. Um, that's almost the next like the next frontier. Like the predictive stuff is hard, but it's at mm-hmm. least like you have you have uh, you know things that happen sometimes, and then or things that happen, and then what happened next, and you can kind of draw some conclusions. Mm-hmm. What what do we do about the things that didn't happen? How do we how do we account for those? How do we consider those? Yeah. How do we convince people to <laughs> maybe more pertinently, how do we convince people to consider those when they're when they're coming to these judgments? Um so there's you, you raise an interesting point. And 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 this notion of counterfactuals, the the sort of the fundamental thing about counterfactuals is that you can't observe them. Like you cannot observe them. They don't they're not realizable. So you have to you have to kind of lower your expectations just a little bit that like stats isn't going to tell you everything. Um, it, you're, you're sort of asking a method to, to give you an answer about a context that it's never seen before and it will never see, um, you know, like, so, so we have to kind of calibrate our expectations just a little bit, but I, I the the next best thing we can do is say that like I want to make a prediction about a situation that that's somewhat counterfactual, but maybe instead of doing that, I'll make a prediction about something that's similar, um, that actually was observed in my data, and and finding that similar thing uh, is really hard, especially in in settings where we don't have a lot of data. I feel like that's a that's a natural entry point into to some of your your football research, uh-huh. because that's that's. Um, you and 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 our mutual friend Kathy Evans, who now mm-hmm. is a, a VP with Monumental Sports, uh, works for the Wizards. Basically, um, were I believe we were finalists. Um, I think this, so. Yeah, in the second big data data bowl. So so um, describe like in in broad terms, like what your research was, because I thought I think it's it's fascinating and has like applications to a lot of different sports. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, the the basic idea here was. Uh, we were we we had the this tracking data for for passing plays, and we said we were we, we were kind of asking the question, you know, without knowing anything about play design and and play calling, 
how do we know that the quarterback was throwing to the right receiver um, or like what they were doing was sort of an, was optimal in any sense. And, and so what we had to do in that was we had to kind of first set up like, you know, this is an easy question to ask, but it's, it, it's the devil is in the details, as they say, like, what does it mean to say that this was the right receiver, or the optimal receiver? And you can start to ask the question, well, what if the quarterback waited another two seconds or threw to a different person? What might have happened? And and we we get into this, this situation of describing counterfactuals, because in reality, the quarterback didn't throw to somebody else. They didn't take an extra second after the uh, before throwing the ball. And we have no data that that's sort of identical in all respects, except for that one decision point. Um, and, and so the question becomes like, how do we then meaningfully make this prediction? How do we, how do we do this? And, and, and a big part of that project was identifying some features of a play and saying, what are the plays that are similar? And what can I learn from these similar plays to tell me about the one that I can't observe? And then that leads to some, you, you can, you, then you can sort of, Okay, if he'd have thrown the ball two seconds earlier, based on yeah, based on I think vectors and positions, and yeah, yeah, some positions and some speeds. It was very kind of catch as catch can. We 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 kind of did the first first pass, and there's many times that that I'll talk to Kathy and say that you know it would have been really great if we had you know tweaked this in this way. But the basic idea is we kind of found some descriptions of the player, some some features of the play. And then we found plays that were similar, but had one small change, like the you know the quarterback waited an extra second, or they they threw to somebody slightly different, like somewhere else. Um, and and we kind of said, well, what happened on those plays? You know, how far was the receiver from the ball when they actually tried to catch it, or was it overthrown or underthrown? And we tried to account for that. Um, and we 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 said, well, there's a lot of uncertainty here, so we kind of averaged out that uncertainty. And what we ended up was this sort of counterfactual probability. Um, where we were allowed to say that, you know, if the quarterback had, you know, made a slightly different decision, this is the probability their receiver would have caught the ball, um, even if we hadn't actually observed them throwing the ball to that receiver in that context. Um, we could still make that prediction. And the, the reason I think this is this is this is fascinating has as you know applications you know all over the place is this is you know measuring what didn't happen is sort of. Um, that's sort of synonymous with measuring defense because like, <laughs> yeah. you know, de de defense is not in, in aside from baseball in every other sport, defense is not really just the inverse of offense, especially on the individual player level. So it's exactly. like, it's, so it's like, okay, yeah, th that guy did what he did. How did I affect that? Mm -hmm. Either in terms of what he chose to try or how well he did it. Yep. And you know, we can maybe the like like see how how it was affected, but even that, you know, that 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 runs into some problems, and and maybe I'll mm -hmm. kind of uh, an environment of randomness, yeah. but but yep. but that we can sort of see a little bit, and we often I rail about this regularly in basketball we kind of fool ourselves that some data is better than no data when actually the data that exists 
leads us in bad directions because it doesn't actually tell us anything. Uh, but, but the, but the other part of, of not being able to see how we, how we, not even how we changed, but how their decision changed when we were there relative to the next, the, the other person and mm-hmm. another defender. Yep. Like, so that, you know, that is my mental, mental image of kind of how this works. Like this all sounds, this all sounds right. Yeah. Or, that, or am I that, off? That's basically somewhere? it. No, you're, you're, you're spot on. Um, and so it's, so it's easy and we just go from there and, and we can do, we can do all that now. Right. No, no, we can't. Essentially. I mean, um, so it, we, we've got a, we've got a lot of assumptions that we have to make. And, and I think this is where right. being like very upfront about the assumptions and the benefit that Kathy and I had was we were both trained as formal statisticians and, and clearly stating the assumptions that sort of allow us to know what we can and cannot say from our data. Um, and what, what is sort of a safe conclusion to make and what is like totally an extrapolation that can't be checked. That's sort of one of the, one of the benefits of the training. Sure. Let's let, let me, let me, you know, go, go back. Cause it's, it's funny. I like Kathy, uh-huh. Kathy's uh, handle on Twitter is, is causal Kathy. Cause her, her, her academic background is in causal inference. And so this is, mm-hmm. this, this is a fascinating topic, which gets to, like all sorts of things is like, you know, it's, it's sort of so much of sports analysis, whether using statistics or more strictly narrative bases is, is kind of talk ergo propter hoc. Right. So yep. what are some, what are some things we can do to, to, you know, better, I guess more, I guess the, in, in lay terms, it would be better assign credit or blame for what happens or just say, yeah, that's, you know, that's how the, that's how the dice rolled this time. I, I mean, that's the, that, that's the billion dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I don't think I have a wholly satisfactory answer to this. Um, well, how do it's, I mean, how do we do it is probably the wrong question anyways. How do we get, how do we get better at this? Because we're, it's, it's a, it is sort of a chipping away at, at the huge, swath of uncertainty to just understand it a little bit more so yeah it, maybe the way that I, I i can try to break this down is is to think like very concretely like one of the one of the first like big big sort of attempts at this is 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 the whole like plus minus kind of industry um <laughs> and for, for lack of a better term um, wow. it, you make it you make it sound like amway or something that it's like a, a it's a multi-level marketing oh it's, plus it's minus. definitely not um but you know i i've sort of i've sort of stepped away from the from that sort of work and and so my my recollection of, of of how it all works is you know you you start by just sort of adding up the the positives and the negatives um, when the player is on and off the court, and then somebody realized that you know what this is not accounting for their teammates, uh, so then they 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 came up with adjusted plus minus, and the whole conceit in all of these things is is this idea that you know what would happen in in basketball say if we took one player off the court and and presumably replace them with an a replacement player or or played five on four so we we have to start asking ourselves that you know these are good methods but we really need to interrogate what exactly are they estimating and and what are the limitations thereof um 
because if, if if you sort of interpret the the results from like a plus minus analysis too literally, you realize that what it's estimating is the effect of you just take a player off the court and replace them presumably with some average player, but that doesn't ever happen, right? Like when when you know when a player comes off the court, they're replaced by somebody else, and and so the we have to I think that the first step is recognize you know what are some of the limitations of the ways we've been looking at this problem. And that, and that gets back to your, I mean, your, your, your earlier point about, you know, you're not actually measuring what the player is because Mm -hmm. in, in, you know, again, with baseball as, as kind of an exception for obvious reasons, like, you know, what a player actually does on the court is going to be very different. Yep. Depending on, on, you know, you, you know, if, you know, the, I guess a great example would be sort of a, a in basketball would be a combo guard who, when he's mm-hmm. when he's starting, he's he's playing shooting guard and he's next to a guy an, uh, another player who's handling the ball. Right. Then that player goes to the bench and then he becomes the point guard. And, and it's almost it's not it's not two different players, but it's two different two roles. very very different sets of actions that they're taking. Yep. yep. That that like. We, it's just something we sort of all realize, but we kind of ignore because there's no way around it. Um, that there's that, that that's just you're, you're kind of just hoping that that I don't want to say comes out in the wash, but yeah, it kind of so, comes out in the wash in our in our in our sample. I actually want to dig into something you just you just said, and and that is, I think the biggest step forward is in my mind is is recognizing that we may not be able to answer the question that we really want with the specificity that we want, given the data that we have. And, and coming to terms with that, I think, is, is probably the like, most important step, because you can take a model and add all sorts of fancy bells and whistles and try to get around some of these fundamental issues, but some of these issues truly are fundamental. You cannot estimate certain things. Statistically, these, these sorts of things might be impossible. And, and well, no I, amount of fancy methods is ever going right. to get around that. I, I would submit to you that the most important part isn't realizing this. It's it's convincing a decision maker, both of that fact, but that also what you're doing is useful. Correct. So, right. <laughs> but but that's 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 more of a practical problem than a, than sure. a technical one. Sure. But uh, but so but that I think that gets back to you know the 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 point of 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 not trying to be perfect, but trying to be better, trying to understand mm-hmm. more. Mm-hmm. Is that sorry? Go ahead. That that's exactly it. Is like we're we're not going to let the perfect be the enemy of the good here, but we have to understand that that does inherently imply a trade off. How do you, as a as a practitioner, you know, we're all of this that we're talking about means that we're our results aren't answers their estimates, their the degree of confidence that you found a certain effect, a certain impact, a certain phenomenon. Um, how do you go about deciding that you're confident enough that it's worth talking about? So I have the luxury of, of being an academic, <laughs> sitting in my proverbial ivory tower, um, though quite honestly, I'm in a seventh floor office with a skylight and no windows so uh, not quite the same but in in general like nobody's making money off of my decisions so i i I really have no stake um in in the decision making what i what i will say as a more meta point is 
as you say, whenever we make these estimates, whenever we run these models, when we do our analytics, when we when we look at our data, there's always uncertainty attached. And I think trying to make decisions without accounting for that uncertainty is a recipe for disaster. Um, because it's all about the sort of risk-reward trade-off. And I don't think there's a hard and fast rule that will work for everybody. Everybody has their own sort of calibration in terms of how much risk are they willing to take. And from my perspective as, as a statistician, it's my job to report that and report it accurately and report it honestly, and then leave it to the decision-maker to see how, how this information um, is, is used. Do you feel that that's and this is this is me coming out from the standpoint mm-hmm. of of a of a more kind of pointy end of the sword practitioner? Yep. Um, is it, like that's and, and this is going to sound more pejorative than I mean it to be, but do you feel like that's almost uh, uh, abdicating a certain amount of, of responsibility? Just like, well, this is these are the results. Here you go. You're going to misinterpret them. Here you go. I told you the the uh, so, you know. I think I. I Illustrated, kind of the 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 flaw of hey, I'm just reporting what the what I found, and and yeah. So I I think if if I were just to sort of push the button on my computer, get the model output, print it out, and say you know go to town without any contextualization or interpretation or sort of guidance about how to internalize these results, I, I definitely would be abdicating my my responsibility. At the same time, it's not clear, you know, organizationally, somebody has to make the decision. And how they arrive at the decision can be a bit of a black box. Um, Just a bit. Yeah. I mean, they can look at the numbers. They could look at what their eyes are telling them. They could just kind of make it up whole cloth. Who am I to 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 question it? Um I think what we have to do is just do the best we can and, and, and make sure that uh, for me as a statistician, I want to make sure that my uncertainty estimates are calibrated. I want to make sure that they are, that they're coherent, that they're honest, that they're accurate. And if I can do that, then the job now turns to explaining what they mean to, to stakeholders, um, the people who actually wield the power to make decisions. Sure. Um, so, so definitely the statistician's job doesn't end with the sort of output of the analysis, but I don't have sort of great general purpose advice for like what that sort of educational model is. Uh, how do we, how do we teach people how to interpret this? Um, so my, to drink. yeah, so my, so my, you know, I have, I have, I have, I have, I have a, Legal background. I was I mm-hmm. practiced as a lawyer for a couple of years, and sort mm-hmm. of there's there's evidentiary rules about like you know excluding kind of inflammatory testament testimony or evidence mm-hmm. where the you know where it's it's uh, I, I forget like the, the the language of the of the rules of procedure, but like it's inflammatory to the point where the 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 prejudice it causes to one party will uh, outweigh the probative value mm-hmm. of, of you know it's kind of the more, more heat than light basically. Yep. yep. Um, is that is that something that that you feel like is you know you 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 conscientiously do your work and and everything comes out and the and the model results are just such that it's just like this isn't a thing and even even broaching this thing would is is it it is more likely to confuse than it is to enlighten is that a decision you find yourself making or is it just like 
I I ran this and I found nothing, but in the nothing there was this suggestion. I'm I'm always very, you know, that 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 strikes me as just a very difficult spot to be in. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny you mentioned that. So there was a a project I got involved with in in graduate school on on pitch framing in baseball. And and this was right around I guess 2014, 2015, 2016 when this was, you know, the 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 massive competitive advantage that some teams were enjoying. They they paid people who could frame pitches. And so my professor and I we we kind of looked at this. We 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 went to PitchFX. We got the data. We we fit some models. We we did some uncertainty propagation, and we came up with the sort of an estimate saying that okay, like maybe a good pitch framer can frame you know say through their framing alone saves I don't know like twenty five runs over the course of the season, which is a pretty massive effect. And and we said using some standard conversions like that's a that's a pretty penny in free agency it's several two and a half wins or so give or take right yeah two and a half wins um so what like seven seven million for a win i think was one of the estimates so like now we're talking like 14 15 million dollars um more money than i will ever see in my life (laughs) Uh, so so we said well that's a fine estimate but like what's the uncertainty around it is this is this like 14 and a half million plus or minus a half million or is it 14 and a half million plus or minus 13 million. And, and what we found was that for framing, it really did look like that valuation uh, uh, was, was close to the second. So the uncertainties were really large to the point that, you know, you're saying that my, my best guess for the size of this, this, this thing, how much is it worth? Isn't this tens of millions of dollars, but it could be as low as a couple hundred thousand. So is, or is, is that, is is that the the effect size, or is that like the the sort of the uncertainty of the measurements? Like, uh, it, like it's, it's the uncertainty inherent. The, you know, in order yeah. to estimate these effects, we had to go and fit a model. We had to estimate the probability sure. that a ball was called a strike or, or or not. Right. And there's uncertainty in that estimate. We can't know that exactly. Um, and so it's how does the uncertainty in those little probabilities? How do they magnify when we start aggregating them and 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 converting it to to real dollars and cents. So I guess my my question is more was the was the uncertainty more we're not sure this guy is good or not or is it more we're not sure how much it's worth that this guy is good. Does that uh, yeah, or, or is it both? It's both. It's both. Okay. And sure. and what's and what's frustrating in in the baseball sense is you know like statistically we're trained that if you want to reduce your uncertainty go get more data. Just collect more data, you'll get more precise estimates. But there's only 162 games in a season. Like, you can't go and get a thousand game. You can't get like a thousand games from that season for for a single player. It just doesn't exist. And so what we have to do is like recognize fundamentally with with some of these, especially in sports. Like fundamentally, we can't cross some barrier of uncertainty. There's just not the possibility of data that will let us bring that uncertainty down. But there is, and I, I think you'll agree with me in this. There is a point where the uncertainty is such that you, you're you rather than say it's uh you know it's a uh, for it's fifteen million plus or minus fourteen million. Then you just say we're just the, it, the the effect is not it's not readily measurable with any degree of certainty. Rather than yeah, even yeah. rather than even put that that number out there that because yeah. you don't want to you don't want to anchor someone to oh is the best the best pitch framer is worth fifteen million. Um, which is, you know, that's a, that's a, that's that, that, that was a headline. 
Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. And that's that's sort of you. That that again, that strikes me as as sort of the 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 the, the art of it, not the science of it, is figuring out when to just you know I'm gonna here's the here's the uh, here's the answer I came up with. Um, maybe I'll research it further, but I'm just gonna keep it in my pocket for right now. Is, yeah, I mean, you know that's that's a good question, and I think from my perspective, the these are both tools and estimates you should have in your pocket. And it depends on your audience. Yeah. Um, for some people hearing that 14 million will have an anchoring effect and they will never move off of it for others. That sort of makes it real. The sort of the, the stakes that are involved um, as opposed to me saying, you know, the, my estimate on like a parameter level, like, Oh, it's between, I don't know, 1.1 and minus 0.7. Like that's a scale that doesn't mean anything to somebody. Right. Uh, so, so as 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 a as a statistician, you have to also do this translation of the results that are on a scale that that you are estimating, and and moving those results to a scale that that people can interpret, um, and that that's that's an art, and 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 there is no like general guidance. You just sort of have to try it and and, and see how it goes. And I, I get, to get back to your point, like as an academic, you're you're a little bit freer to just like let it fly. Exactly. Um, and whereas, you know, uh, at, you know, the, I've, I've occupied both like a kind of a data journalism role and, mm-hmm. a, and a team analyst role. And like, you know, you're a little bit more, you're a little bit less let it fly as a, as a, as a journalist, because like there's sort of a certain degree of credibility. But then mm-hmm. on the team side, um, you, you only get, you can only be, you can only be really wrong so many times. So, yeah. like, so that, that like, how okay do I do I how much do I want to as as the phrase is do I want to stand on the table for a fifty five forty five coin flip and exactly like no <laughs> and, but like, and, and, maybe and at I a certain think, point uh, you've built up enough enough equity that you can but look I think I think one one thing that I like my personal opinion is what will drive sports analytics and sports statistic uh, much more much forward is the recognition that. A lot of things are these fifty-five, forty-five things, and we have to learn to accept that. We like things are not, you know, ninety-nine, one percent. That that's just not the reality. There will be uncertainty, and we have to accept it. I think that people are uh, just congenitally like don't want to go there. There was a there was a. a, a um, a tweet. It wasn't by Maria Konnikova, but it was a, 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 a tweet about her. Uh-huh. Um, someone, someone. Was, it was a couple of days ago. Someone was. Uh, it may have even been quoting her, but it's like so, she was something. Sometimes I want. I, I wonder how much of of my of how life has turned out for me is because of me, and how much of it is luck. And I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but mm-hmm. that's. Um, I think a lot of people don't want to ask that question, and so if you get into well, it, it, you know, it's 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 a it's a it's a weighted it's a slightly weighted coin flip, and we just came out ahead a couple more times than than we didn't. Um, that yep. sort of people, like especially people who who are kind of high achievers or high status, sure, I don't want to hear that. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, I, I I certainly won't want to hear that I'm I'm where I'm at because of luck, but I, I recognize that it had a lot to do with a lot of things. It's, you know, it's, it is, you know, it, 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 it's always struck me as were one honest with oneself, one mm-hmm. would, would pretty easily, if you've had, you know, success, it's like, hey, these, I've had, I've had a, bu- a pretty above median outcomes or, <laughs> you know, for, for, you know, the, the, the doors slid right for me to, you know, 
to be yeah. having this conversation and we've written a book exactly. and so on and so forth. So exactly. it's, it's, I know, and I don't feel like that. And I, I've never felt like that d- diminishes those accomplishments, but I think that that's, but it is easy to be in a spot where someone says, no, nah, you kind of got lucky and you're like, screw you. <laughs> I, I earned this. So yeah. yeah, that's, I mean, this, these are, these are kind of the practical realities of, of, of working in, in, in that make it, challenging shall we say like you know what's going on and you can't really you can't really talk about it because no one wants to hear it it's challenging it's frustrating i'm sure there's an analyst with a team right now who is is, is banging their head against the table that only one you know, yeah well <laughs> <laughs> at, at least one uh just just saying like how do i convince people that you can't know this with certainty um and it's, it's it's the good fight <laughs> Yeah. Um, let me see. We we've kind of we've kind of talked about most. I want most of I want to talk about. Uh, is there any burning kind of Dallas sports topics you feel like you need something to you need to get something off your chest about? I can uh, I can give you the floor for how long we got? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? This is it's uh, it's bandwidth is free, not free, but it's a uh, it's, it's low cost. So you know the floor is yours. I'm just gonna say that. You know, I've 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 learned enough that whatever whatever the Cowboys end up doing, I'm gonna hate it, and then I'll just accept it. <laughs> and whatever the Mavericks end up doing, I'm gonna hate it, and I'll learn to accept it. That's yeah. I, I I have no control over these situations. They're gonna do something. I'll probably think it's silly, and we'll move on. It's a terrible spot to end up as a fan. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's had it's had its moments. Well, no, I think I mean I think it's 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 I mean I, like you know the uh, reaching the point of indifference with your fan base it seems like it's the uh, seems like almost the worst possible place a team can end up. I just I just accept that they're going to do something stupid and I don't get worked up about it anymore. It's like that's 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 probably not a not a great spot to be if you're yeah if thinking I, about it from yeah at the same time. Like when the season starts, like everything that they did was perfect. This is going to be our year, and then like you know, it's 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 predictable, and 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 in a world of uncertainty, you you, you take the predictability when you can. <laughs> you take the predictability of of Lucy pulling the football away as as comforting. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that's that's dark. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, it, it I feel like I feel like we need to come up with something happier to end on than rather like I'm glad I fell on my butt when she when she the football away because at least I knew it was coming. Um, the one the one time that she doesn't right that's the that's what get, gets us standing up and doing it again. Yeah, the um, the the one perfect golf shot. You know, you live for those. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I think I, th- this is what it, it makes this fun for me. Because I, I I love doing statistics. It's what I do all day. I really like sports. It's been with me my entire life. And now I get to do a little bit of both. And I get paid well to do it. And I, I can't complain. Sure. And, like, yeah, and to, you know, we get back to something I said at the very start of our conversation. Like, mm-hmm. sports really are about as good a natural laboratory as you're going to get. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like the, the it's like the the rules are reasonably well defined and mm-hmm. sample sizes are large and you have 
sort of a a much better sort of a priori understanding of how it works, even if those yep. understandings might be a little bit wrong. Like trying to, you know, um, you know, the, all the horror stories of the application of like AI to like medical diagnosis. Oh boy. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, it's like, bad. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's bleak out there, but it, it, it's for, and, and when you think about it, it's for obvious reasons. It's cause there, there, mm-hmm. there aren't like, there might be rules, but certainly don't know them all if we knew them all like we'd be in a much bit different place from a like a night whereas oh gosh, if we're if, if we're uncomfortable with uncertainty in sports like let oh me God. introduce you to health yeah <laughs> so I, yeah and that's and you know that's that's where why uh i we talk to sports scientists and they kind mm-hmm. of or, or like like the, da- the data people who work with sports scientists and mm-hmm. and 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 you get the occasional yeah i don't really know if i'm doing anything <laughs> from because it's that, it's that thing. It's just like, well, there's kind of a, just a randomness. There's a bunch of randomness maybe, there. Yeah. Like whether whether somebody rolls up on your leg and you land wrong, and also just like maybe predict. like the the length of this guy's femur relative to his tibia is just like empirically means there's more of a risk of yeah. And it's just like okay, well, that would have been cool if we'd have known that, but how could we have? <laughs> and and even if we do know it, like, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. Right. He's like, well, you're not going to shorten somebody's leg like that. Yeah. Well, we're not. Nope. Nope. Can't. Sorry. You're. Uh, you're. <laughs> I. 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 I know you shot forty five percent from three last year, but um, you're no. Your your elbow point is is a little bit is is two degrees outside of uh, regulation. So. Yeah, no. no I don't. We can't be doing that. So. It's ever going to happen. At least not walls. It's people playing, right? Yeah. Well. I mean, I, I am a I am a proponent for the robot umpires. So, <laughs> right. Well, this is this has been fun and enlightening, certainly for me. I, I uh, you know, I as I as I freely say, like I have a, a much more practical than formal training in statistics. Mm-hmm. So, having uh, yeah, this was having someone who actually knows what they're talking about. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, like definitely let me know in the future uh, uh, if you, especially if you expand on any of the the kind of the the, the paths you were going with uh, with well, the yeah. uh, you know the, the the passing model work because that's I again I think that that kind of decision analysis is going to be mm-hmm. some of the next waves that 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 we do in sports that helps us more about what players do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, thank, thank you, Ron. Thanks, folks, for listening. I am, uh, I am back tomorrow with with uh, Nate Duncan, who had to ended up having to some technical issues and not able to record yesterday. So I'm doing that instead of uh, my normal Saturday Q and A. And then on Monday, I have uh, Wozni Lambre from The Ringer coming on. Um, I'm guessing we're going to crap on the Knicks a little bit, so that'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> that'll be fun. Yeah. So uh, Samir, thanks again, and thanks everyone for listening. And this has been uh, have a good weekend, everyone. Thanks.